the home of the Whopper gets its first facelift in 20 years. This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash, an off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Welcome to TFGM Button. John Nash here with my good friend and co-host, Tim Bennett. Find us here on Tuesdays and check out our show, The Focus Group, on Wednesdays from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on YouTube and Facebook. And of course, focusgroupradio.com is where you'll learn about all of our media and about me and Tim and the rest of the show and everything else you need to know. So welcome to our first show of 2021. Um... We are aware of everything that's been going on in the news. Last week was kind of the, you know, you thought, oh, it's a new year, new year. It's going to be fresh and clean. And nah, (laughs) it's just as crazy as the last one was, but it's getting better, folks. So we're going to talk about other things, right, Tim? Did you forget? This is our second show, John. Our second show of the new year? Yeah. Where you been? Did you forget? Did you forget? Did you forget last week's show already? It's been that long. You know, I did think about it. It seems like a century's worth of things went on in five days, right? Yeah. Well, you know, back in the day, we had some landmark. I guess were they landmarks or road marks or guide marks or guideposts or whatever? Yeah, road but posts. We like were the Super Bowl, Christmas. You know, this, right, this when, when we were on Sirius XM and we did the regular show, which our regular show, the Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash, comes out on Wednesdays. You'll find it on uh, Focus Group Radio on our Facebook page or YouTube. Um, we would always have our first guest of the year for, I think seven or eight years was Michelangelo Signorelli. And he was always yeah. very kind to kick off the new year and talk to us about the year past, but really look at the year forward, what's going on, what's going to happen, what were predictions. And it was always a good guidepost for us that, uh, we always had Mike on to kick off the new year. And, uh, it was always something we look forward to. So that's probably why you forgot. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll be honest. I forgot because it already feels like <laughs> it feels like last year. <laughs> it, it does. Honest to God. I, I thought we were through with all this insanity and the lies and the and, and you know, I'll just say this, you know, every everyone who's listening has, has probably had over overload on this at this point. And and we have to um, and it's going to go on for a while. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think we need to have a discussion about it. Just not here. But the part that I'm, I'm the part that I think that will never overcome is if you've bought into the lie hook, line and sinker, how do you ever come out of that swamp? I, I mean, because it now literally is a binary thing. Either the election was rigged and stolen, you know, or it was legitimate. And which I, of course, believe because I think we really have 50 individual elections across the country. They seem to only be fixating on the ones that were the quote unquote battleground problematic states. Right. But if there was a state that the president won, well, that was an OK election. If there was <laughs> no one questioned California or New York because, well, it's clear that it's going to be a demo. You know what I mean? It's what this insanity. But if you're down that rabbit hole, I don't know if you're a flat earther and if you believe the earth is really flat, how do you get convinced it's round? Well, you know, first of all, those people aren't listening to us. Correct. Um, Second of all, the moronic part about this, and people are trying to have these conversations with friends and family, because we all know people who voted and supported for the other side. And my question has just simply been this. A, there's been no evidence, but B, what about all the down ballots? So the Republicans had a great election night in November. They won 14 House seats. They won a couple of governorships. They kept all their Senate seats. 
down ballot, the Republicans had a great night. Yeah. I so know. legitimacy of the down ballot, essentially you're calling that into question too or not? You're just calling into question what was on the top of the ballot. But guess what? There were a bunch of things on the bottom of the ballot. So are you that effing stupid? Oh, yeah. And partisan. So that's, that's all it is. That's all. It, it's that simple. And so what got, has me wrong. I'm surprised I've not been kicked off Facebook, quite frankly, this weekend, because I've gone full bore after some of these people. And I've loved the fact of the one that was trampled with the don't tread on me flag in the rotunda and, and all the other things. But um, I know we didn't want to talk about it, but I'm wound up. <laughs> We're going to move on because, yeah, it's it's really that simple. And I'm just amazed that the that that we're falling into these strange camps of, you know, the earth is round or the earth is flat. I feel like we go, we go back to the time of Galileo, right? You know, like when he was, well, they're gonna I want to know how come Rudy Giuliani is not arrested or disbarred or, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, Unless they're just going to wait and they're just keeping quiet. Who can say from absolutely fabulous. Remember the assistant who can say, <laughs> all right. Anyway, on to other things. Things that may seem like fluff, but they're important in the business and marketing world. So our first article is that um, Burger King has announced and is rolling out a new identity after more than 20 years. I think the last time they tweaked their logo and their packaging and some of the store designs was in 1999. Um, this new look is a very simplified, um, straightforward, just like looks like a two, you know, the, the top and bottom of a bun. It says Burger King in the middle. They even can created or had created for them a new font that evokes the warm and rich feelings of the chain and it's called flame because <laughs> i guess that's because all the burgers are flame broiled right <laughs> so this is going to be on wrappers and food and and um even the new advertising rolling out some of the uh, the new look and feel includes people that actually work in the stores which i think is really cool and over the next couple of years there's going to be infrastructure changes to the actual Burger King locations to um, maximize pickup and drive through, and I guess sort of minimize the dining room part. Yeah, John, they said that this new design is going to reignite diners' interest in the logo or re reignite diners' interest in Burger King. So, are you running over to get yourself a Whopper now that well, you've got a new logo? I, I read Has that. Has it reignited I, your interest in Burger King, John, the new logo? Did it reignite your interest? Well, okay. So, for starters, <laughs> I had to do a double take. Because I wasn't quite sure what the old logo was. Yeah. And, and that's, that tells you all you need to know. So if I had to actually do the double take and say, what's the old, what's the new? Um, they, the new is simple. It's clean. It's easy. Um, they got rid of this blue sweep that goes around the old one. But I agree. I don't know that a facelift is going to suddenly transform consumers' perceptions. And, and these in the fast food world, they're pretty firmly held, right? Either you're McDonald's, you're Wendy's. You know, I don't, I don't see people running around going, where's the next, where's the closest long John Silvers, you know? <laughs> well, I think what happens and, you know, Burger King sales have been down and particularly during the event or the pandemic, I guess the, um, the fact that it's struggling with sales down when most fast food's been up because of easy drive-through. Um, this is what usually happens, right? You start tinkering. Oh, we've got to do something. We've got to drive sales. So the easiest thing to do is let's pretend we're going to rebrand ourselves or we're going to change the look and feel or we're going to drive more traffic. But I never understood why brands start tinkering with logo and design. This one, they said, has been around. What was it the last time they played with it? Was it 99? 20 years, 99, yeah. But if, you're a, if it's a good logo, it should never be messed with again, do you think? 
I mean, so maybe it's a little bit of updating, but I, I, it's like Coca-Cola. Do you really need to mess with the logo or the, the script of Coca-Cola? I think some of the best logo refreshes I've seen cleave very closely to the original and they maybe streamline it a bit or right. they maybe they remove an element that might not feel as um, relevant um, in the in today's market as it was when the logo was first designed. I mean, this is not a wholesale. Like when you look at it, you're like, oh, that's the Burger King logo. I mean, you don't necessarily associate it with new. That's the thing that I'm, I mean, so they did a shift and it's different and it's, but I wouldn't call it new. You've seen the pictures, right? Right. And the one that, and, and the other thing is with fast food, particularly McDonald's is famous for this, right? You use yellow and orange and red because that's supposedly um subliminally gets you to eat and makes you feel hungry or warm right so you never use blue particularly for food so burger king would use blue well you and i you know we didn't need it i i I somehow doubt that dinged their sales (laughs) but but, but you know (laughs) what i mean so so you say to yourself oh okay you know (laughs) here we go let's take the blue away (laughs) so they take the blue away and they go back to something that was familiar that they did back in the 60s and here we go. And now we're going to make a big deal about it. And somebody's getting paid a lot of money to write up the script, which I just thought was absolutely hilarious. You know, the flame, you know, somebody spent a lot of time coming up with this language and doing the press release and photographing this stuff. And now they're waiting for the sales to roll in. And for people like you and I that are going to be excited and reignited and our, our interest in the brand to go out and buy a Whopper, which. Well, in fact, I'm cutting the whole broadcast short because I got to get in my car and get to a new Burger <laughs> I don't know what they're making over there, but that logo certainly has me. I never liked Burger King. I've always been a McDonald's person. And if there was a, if there was a McDonald's and a Wendy's and a Pizza Hut and a Burger King and everything was closed, but the Burger King was open, I'd do something else. (laughs) Well, enough said about that. So congratulations to uh, Burger King for their new logo design. Hey, before we get too much further into the podcast, I want to thank Critics Choice Video, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987. And they've been with us here on TFGM Bun from the start. We're going to talk about them a little bit later in the podcast. So our next article comes to us um, from Gizmodo, but it's just an interesting thing to me um, how this works. So the headline was Amazon buys planes from airlines struggling with pandemic slowdown. Think about two years ago, it might've been two years ago, it was announced that Amazon was going to be creating its own fleet of aircraft to move packages around. I guess it was an effort to circumvent either UPS, USPS, or FedEx, because you know that that's the intermediary between Amazon and its customer and sometimes some of the problems. But it's no small feat to actually own your own fleet of aircraft because you're talking about parts, maintenance, certification, safety, pilots, you know, pilots, <laughs> yeah, fuel, the whole bit. So, so they must be, you know, this just tells you how the volume of, of packages that Amazon moves that they could actually do this. And so they are going to be acquiring 11 767 300 aircraft, seven are coming from Delta. And four are from WestJet. And, you know, they don't happen all at once. Um, I guess what happens is with aircraft is they come off lease or however this is, however the financing of an air, airliner goes. And then it will slowly be turned over to Prime, to Amazon, where they will repaint, certify, check all the, you know, wiring, the whole bit. And then they'll be put into service. But 11 aircraft is no small thing because these things cost a fortune each, right? Yeah. Now, this is a, this is a huge deal. And I was wondering whether... My guess is, you know, what's coming next. Amazon Air will be a competitor probably now to FedEx and UPS because 
I remember when, you know, years ago doing work with L.L. Bean, and I think at any given time, um, L.L. Bean was, because of their mail order business, um, particularly around holiday, at any given time, there were dozens of FedEx trucks 24 hours a day, nonstop, just backed up to the warehouses for L.L. Bean. And so typical of any company, you know, you, you get you get in line, right? So if you're a smaller business, you're not going to get you're not getting the service from FedEx or UPS or the U.S. mail service that you were if you're high volume. So somebody like Amazon probably was like, you know what? We need to get these things out. We've promised overnight delivery or on-demand delivery or whatever they're doing. And so many other companies now are doing, whether it's Walmart or Target or some of these big box stores also want to get in this um, Amazon competing business. So they took it one step further and said, you know what? We'll do our own planes. So yeah, yeah, and you know, I I think you're right about that, and it's it's just a it's just an interesting shift, and you know, I, I'm going to tack onto this story, which doesn't really relate to it so much. Um, that uh, I read somewhere that um, certain, I think Amazon and Target and a few other, maybe even Walmart, are depending on the purchase. Some some of these organizations are telling consumers to not bother returning the item they want to return; they're going to get a credit anyway. But they've done the math and figured out that taking the item back is going to cost them more than the loss of just saying the item's gone. Isn't that something? And this, and this, in my opinion, plays into it because when we think about how we move packages, so if you bought, a, so if you bought a an item package, must be small. Know, I'm trying, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think of what it would be. So if you bought a, I don't know, a can opener. That's a good example. It's something small. It's easy. It's it's you know it's going to cost more for them to process that going back into the system than just to let just to give you the credit, right? Right. So if you came and you said, "Oh, it's broken," rather than sending it back, it's just okay. We'll credit you. We'll send you another one. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you rely on people's honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if they had the if the order, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I you took it. A, I didn't even think of that. My can opener broke. I need five more. Okay. Well, you understand. You know, I, I would, do, I, would yeah. I would say you'd have to take a picture of it broken with your receipt. And then send it back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well that's that got us off the track though. So Amazon's adding um eleven aircraft to its already existing fleet of a few uh pass passenger planes that were converted to cargo purposes. And I think it's interesting to keep an eye on that one because that's that's the whole that's a mega company, man. All right, our last story today comes to us um from Inc. magazine and it, it's sort of topical in that um, corporations have always been, I don't want to say completely sideline players, but they've been around the political spectrum. And Tim will tell you that um, the lessons he learned from corporate America is if you if you decide you're going to support candidate A, you better support candidate B 50-50 because you never know who's going to win. In this case, um, the article is Patagonia's Guide to Getting Political. And um, the new the new CEO of Patagonia, Ryan Gellert, think there's at least a couple of issues that brands could be vocal about without treading too far into areas that, uh, you know, get upsetting or that people find too political. And in the case of Patagonia and many brands that I think are outdoor brands, it's clearly global warming um, or climate change or the climate crisis. And in his words, it's an existential threat that was our own making. So requires airtime and conversation and should be one of the things that Patagonia focuses on the most. I didn't think this was too bad. And I thought in our corporate and marketing history, we've always steered brands towards organizations and efforts that are apolitical, would you say? Is that the way to put it? Well, you know, yes. And and in this case, obviously, Patagonia, an outdoor brand, and their culture and their philosophy is about 
respecting the outdoors and enjoying the outdoors, right? So climate change obviously is going to be of the utmost importance to them. So it makes a lot of sense and it aligns with the brand. Uh, many brands, uh, for instance, if you supported Special Olympics, right? It's, it's the same sort of thing. Um, my experience at Subaru, for instance, with uh, when Subaru had decided, Subaru supported a number of different, um, got over 30 or 40 different um, sort of entities or, or nonprofits or, or causes. But the one that always got all of the, the press was the, the LGBTQ uh, community. And when we were forced with boycotts or people were going to boycott the brand, the decision that the, the company made, and I, I still think was smart, and I don't know why others never, never would abide by it, was that the brand made the decision they were going to market to the consumer and then stood by the decision and kept it very clear and very direct. And the thought was, yes, some people may be upset by the fact the brand did that. But at the end of the day, most of the consumers that were in the market to purchase a Subaru were very supportive of the brand's efforts. And that's probably similar here to, to Patagonia. There may be people who like Patagonia that don't believe in climate change. I'm not going to buy a Patagonia. I'll go to North Face. Okay. But most people that would buy Patagonia clothing understand that climate change is a real thing. So they're not going to be upset by this. Yeah. They're not going to be upset by the fact that the brand is supporting those efforts and supporting yes, politicians that support those efforts. Especially if they happen to love um, cross-country skiing or winter events as winter changes dramatically in most parts of the country with less snowfall. You know what I mean? It's very obvious. I think that with Subaru, the other thing you were saying that was reminding me of something, you know, Subaru has been a partner of Dining Out for Life for many years, which is, you know, um, Dine Out Fight AIDS. Basically, it's a night where restaurants around the country donate their proceeds to Dining Out for Life, which supports HIV and um, AIDS organizations. And, you know, that was, there's an interesting thing about that, which is that the brand always stood by that as a health issue. Right. It had, it had, it wasn't a cultural issue. It wasn't, you know, who was, who, who, who was the affected individual. It was all about, it was all about health and wellness. And I think that that was also a very smart thing that they did. It was health and education. It was the same with the, um, the Montner project in DC with uh, healthcare for lesbians um, with breast cancer, right? I mean, it was the same yeah. sort of issue. It was healthcare and it was education, and um, and so again, if you, but I think the issue with any brands when they get themselves um, committed to a cause, they need to be. And this is what um, the head of Patagonia was saying, Gellert. You just need to be very clear and direct about it, and don't sugarcoat it, and don't don't avoid it, and this and say this is what we're doing, and this is why we're doing it. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's well, that. Yeah. And then you move on. And if people don't like it, then they don't like it. But at the end of the yeah. day, the brand stands for something. There you go. All right. As I mentioned at the uh, the uh, early in the podcast, uh, Critics' Choice Video, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987, has been a partner of ours here on the Focus Group. And we would love you to start uh, checking out their website and shopping with them. And you could do that by going to focusgroupradio.com and clicking on the Critics' Choice Video logo and start your journey. I always advise um, or recommend that when you uh, start with Critics' Choice, uh, click in the upper left-hand corner and uh, get their print catalog. It comes probably every five or six weeks. And um, to me, it's the ultimate in nonlinear shopping. You know, it's page after page. I don't need to be searching for anything, but I could open it up and say, I think I might want to get this. So I was actually at their page. And um, lately, 
for some reason, the name Jonathan Groff has been popping up in my life, you know, and, and um, he played, as many people know, uh, King George in Hamilton, the musical. And when you saw it on Disney Plus, if you happen to see it on Disney, uh, that was a recording of him uh, when he was recreating his role as King George. And it was a great, great, he's a fun actor, really talented. But I remember him from a show that uh, I think HBO did back at, well, six years, seven years ago, almost now. And um, it goes back to 2014. And do you remember a show called Looking by any chance? Yep. I love that show. Okay, so they have Looking, the complete series and the movie. I believe it was only two seasons or maybe it was just one in the movie, but it it had a, it was very controversial when it came out. A lot of um a lot of people in the community were very mixed about its its messaging and what it was doing, but I actually enjoyed it and I would like to see it again. So that's why I thought of that one. So my recommendation is Looking, the complete season and movie on Blu-ray. You know, that's a good pick. I did not see the movie. I saw the series and I really liked it. I was upset that it was only two. It only had two. Uh, it was two seasons. Two okay. seasons. Did yeah. you see the movie? No, it never did. And I saw the two seasons. And I know the movie kind of wrapped up some of the character stories, right? Huh. Well, I'll have to look for that as well then because that's a, that's a good pick. The other thing going on also at Critics' Choice Video is a look back at, uh, there's an in-memoriam sale, which celebrates the lives of the great stars that we lost in 2020. So there's some, some great, uh, great sales going on of some famous actors and movies that they were in or directors and so forth that uh, we celebrate um, their body of work um, from people we lost in 2020. So head over to Critics' Choice Video. You can get there by going to focusgroupradio.com. As John said, click on the Critics' Choice video logo and start shopping away. We appreciate uh, all of you that uh, tune in to us or download us or stream us or listen to us each week as we start the new year of 2021. It can only get better from here on out. And, <laughs> and I so, apologize for thinking it was the new year. <laughs> and so we thank you all for, uh, again, for supporting us and, su and supporting our, our partners here in the show. Be sure to listen to us on Wednesdays as well. It's the Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash, and you can find all of our media housed at focusgroupradio.com. Make it a good week, everybody, and mask up. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash, available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.